Fizzle, will you pull the headphone jack out of the computer too so it doesn't buzz the whole time? The headphone jack? <laughs> and then kick the lights on too. Leah will show you. Yep, that was it. Cool. Good morning, everyone. Good to see everybody here this morning. I got to get stuff out of my pockets. I don't like having stuff in my pockets when I preach. So today we're going to go through Romans 3, 21 through 26. Last week we covered uh, Romans 3, 9 through 20 and talked about being under sin and what it looks like. That sin is universal, it's total, and makes up everything that we are. From the way we speak, from the things we look at, and our actions. And... and I hope the last week you didn't feel any shame or guilt, you know, coming to the realization that we're all sinners, but that you would see your desperate need for a Savior. And so this week we're going to go 20, 20, what do I got up there? Oh, I, that's not the right verses there. 21 through uh, 26, actually. So if you've got your Bible, open it up. Chapter 3, verses 21 through 26. I need to get a drink first, though. And I've been waiting because I wanted to share this moment with you guys. This is one of the things my wife got me for pastor appreciation. Perrier, my snobby water. And I just wanted you guys to hear this. Ready? Oh, that sounds good. Also, before we read, uh, I wanted to share my own little two cents about appreciation for the men that uh, I serve with. I, yes, we're all pastors, but I was telling them this morning, I also view them as my pastor. And they pour into me, and we pour into each other. So I'm very grateful for them. And being the nerd that I am and the dork that I am, when our wives bought us matching shirts, I was like, yeah, we're going to wear matching shirts today. So I was excited about it. Uh, and it made me think of, and I, I've used this before, talking about me and my wife, uh, when we'll, we will oftentimes come out of the bedroom and we'll be wearing like the same color of shirt and same like tone of jeans. Uh, but Pastor Milt once said that him and his wife do that and they dress alike because they belong together. And I thought this was a good illustration of like we belong together in this mission and ministry that we're doing. And I love you guys and I'm, I'm very appreciative to serve alongside the two of you. So uh, let's read. Looking for his uh, egg shakers in there. He hit him. <laughs> Let's read. Uh, we'll start verse 21 and we'll go through 26. But now the righteousness of God has been manifest, manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness because in His divine forbearance He had passed away over former sins. It was to show His righteousness at the present time so that He might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. This is God's word. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your amazing grace. 
Thank you for walking us through the book of Romans, God, and seeing our need for a Savior, God. And we get to get into some meat today, God, about Christ being the Savior and that he died once for all, that he is our everything. I pray today, God, that you would push me aside, that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit, that you would speak in and through me, God, that your Holy Spirit would be present in each and every person that this is seated here today, God, for conviction and for revelation of who you are, God. I thank you that we get to gather and do this together as a family, and I say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So verse 20, we left off, and we see the judgment of God. That we cannot uphold the law, that we are sinners, that, that we are constantly missing the mark, that we are failures. And left to our own vices, we stand judged. We cannot work out our own salvation. And then there are these, these two words that begin this off, but now. And we see this transition from verse 20, but now. We see something glorious is happening, but now. There's a, transitioning, a transition happening, but now. But now we go from judgment to justification. These two words, but now, speak of the newness of Christ, but now. But now, it really is a new covenant, but now we have something else. But now reminds us that there's continuity in God's work. But now, after all the bad news that we're all a bunch of no good, terrible sinners, but now we have the wonderful news. Paul has just shared about being sinners and how they, they've missed the mark. And now he's setting them up here to give the wonderful news. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. So I'm trying to figure out, for me, for Chris and Tony, I feel like this comes easy. But I'm trying to figure out how to preach on something that's pretty self-explanatory when I read it. So I really have to do some digging and, 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 and diving into God's word and a lot of time in prayer. And so what stuck out to me as I was doing this is, God's righteousness. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. What is God's righteousness? What does it even mean that the righteousness of God has been manifested? So I went to the Google box where all half-decent pastors go. <laughs> And I looked up righteous. What does righteous mean? And it says this, of a person morally right, justifiable, virtuous, very good, excellent. And then, you know, when you get your little suggestion boxes and they have more questions to ask, the Google machine said this about a righteous per person. Being righteous literally means to be right especially in a moral way. Religious people often talk about being righteous. First of all, do you guys ever talk about being self-righteous? <laughs> I'm like, uh, to me that just stuck out, that whoever wrote this, religious people often talk about being righteous. Uh, 
we talk about being righteous in Christ, but not in our own self. But continuing on, in their view, the righteous person not only does the right thing for other people, but also follows the laws of their religion. Heroes like Martin Luther King Jr. are often called righteous. And that's a great worldview of righteous, a righteous person, right? Um, that, that, that we kind of look at ourselves as better than everybody else is the way I took it and interpreted it. Maybe you see it differently. But what is God's righteousness? I, I don't really care for what the world thinks of righteousness. But what is God's righteousness? Simply put, we've been made right in God's eyes. We have his approval, and you and I are justified in his sight when we place our faith in Jesus Christ. We see from the, the, the beginning of Romans up to where we're at now, that this righteousness isn't something to be earned, that you can't work your way into God's righteousness. It's unique and should come as a sigh of relief that you don't have to do that. And if you can feel a weight right now being lifted, if you can feel the pressure being lifted, knowing that you don't have to work for it, press into that. Like, know that you don't have to bear that weight. It's not yours to carry. God's righteousness has been paid for. His righteousness, it's not temporary. It's eternal. We've been made right without keeping the law. But now the righteousness has been manifested apart from the law. We don't have to keep the law anymore. We don't have to do all the things that they talk about in the Old Testament. Although, here's where it goes, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. Bear witness to what? God's righteousness. So let's look up the story of Abram. If you've got your Bible, Abraham, Abram, um, look up Genesis 15, 1 through 6. And we're going we're gonna to read about uh, what the prophets, and what does it say here? bear witness to. What do I got? One through six? Okay. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. But Abram said, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless in the air of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. I lost my place. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward heaven and number the stars. If you are able to number him or number them, then he said to them, So shall your offspring be. And he believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. So Abram's wanting a child, an heir, to, to leave his name, to leave his mark. And he's crying out to God, like, I don't have that. 
God makes the promise that his trusting faith in him and his promise, he gets favor in God's eyes. His trusting faith in God and his promise is the pattern. Faith in God's promise, not our own actions, is what we see. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. And I think about God's righteousness. And I think about like that having faith in his promises and not in our own actions. And it took me down a road that we're frequently, frequently tempted to doubt God's goodness. Right? Life, life throws curveballs. A few years ago, life threw a curveball at me. And I haven't touched on this much uh, in front of you guys. But life threw a curveball at me when my friends Jesse and Danny got divorced. They were family. Everything became overwhelming. All my relationships, anxiety, work. And like on top of that, on top of all that, like my own sinfulness was getting in the way of things. I frequently doubted God's goodness. And I, I would constantly, this was my prayer, like, God, I know I can't do this. I'm pretty sure you don't want me to do this. Show me that you don't. And he kept like, telling me to continue on. I wanted to run away. I wanted to close the church doors. Sayonara. But I kept hearing the word of the Lord. I kept hearing his promise. I kept hearing him tell me, I've got this. Trust me. I had a hope founded on faith and what God can only provide. I could not do this on my own. I had to leave my resume behind of how awesome I thought I was and trust in his ultimate care. It is Christ trusting sinners who are his children and entitled to his promise, and one of those promises is being made righteous. Where does our righteousness come from? But now the righteousness have been, of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus for all who believe, for there is no distinction. Where does our righteousness come from? Jesus. Christ carried the punishment. He carried the punishment 
of the law. He paid the price. Faith in Jesus, like the faith Abraham had, makes us righteous, not by our own doing, but by the atoning work that Jesus did on the cross. As we get ready to go into verse 23, uh, we're going to take our first step down the Romans road. Are you guys all familiar with Romans road? No? Cool. We're going to walk down it together. I actually have some other slides for these, Lizzle. Boom. I hope I got the, these all right. You guys can tell me. I, plus, then I doubted, and I had a Google, and Google came up with different ones. So, so here we go. We're going down the Romans road. For all have sinned and fallen and have, man, I can't read my notes. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. But God shows his love love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's all of them, right? Oh, there's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so what the Romans wrote is, is like, it's this pathway. Go ahead and go back to 323. It's this little tool to help us to see this road to salvation and what it looks like. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The first step in the Romans road is you take that journey of of following Christ. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God is what we talked about last week. And reiterating on the fact that we are all sinners in desperate need of a Savior. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of the God. I can't minimize my little sins and overrate my big sins. Every single one of them is missing the mark and a sin and a failure in loving God and loving others. And they all separate us from God. But redemption is here. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. This was to show that the right or to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance he had passed over former sins. I've been judged. I've been judged and I've been justified by his free gift of grace. That redemption lives because Jesus died. The propitiation, that word that we see that kind of sounds churchy, it means the act of gaining favor. He paid the price. He stood in my place. He paid the penalty for my sin, and he has completely satisfied God's commands so that I might stand righteous in God. He's brought pardon. He's brought freedom. He's brought Deliverance. 
This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. Redemption is here. get into verse 26. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. When we look at verse 26, lost my fancy water. When we look and read through verse 26, it was to show his righteousness. Was it to just, did, did God merely just dismiss the charge of being guilty? It was to show his righteousness. He didn't. He didn't merely dismiss the charges of guilty. His, his righteous demands were met in the death of Jesus. He proved to be just and not overlooking sin. He didn't overlook it. It wasn't like God just, just decided to pass over it without considering it. It wasn't something to be overlooked. He took it very serious. He took on the role of justifier and he acted justly. And he knew what had to be paid. He knew the price. He proved to be just and not overlooking sin and acted and took on the role of justifier for the one who has faith in Jesus. Knowing that and hearing that the price has been paid, that we have stood guilty before God and He acted justly. And He sent His Son he sent his son to die on the cross that we might live. And as I was spending my last you know, hour this morning praying and meditating on this, I just felt the Lord just prompting me to, to ask, do you trust him? Like not asking me, but you guys. Do you trust him? Do you trust that he is good? Do you trust that he is faithful? Do you trust that he has provided a way for you to, to not have to live in sin and to, to not be a slave to that? That there's not that creature lurking out that, well, there is that creature, but you can stand firmly in his righteousness. Do you trust him? Maybe like I was talking earlier, when, when life threw that curveball at me and everything became overwhelming and I got super anxious 
and, and, and was dealing with anxiety, had to go to therapy. Do you trust him? I, I, I would argue my wife probably asked me that at some point when we was going through all that. And it was hard. Hard to trust him. But know that he has paid the price. His righteousness has been made manifested in the person of Jesus, and we don't have to live as a slave to sin. We have the good news. Redemption is here. Amen? Do you trust him? If you're struggling to answer that, let us pray with you. When it comes prayer time, drop us a text. Grab us after service. We want to be a part of that. We are a family here. Do you trust him? Let's pray. Father God, we are made righteous by you. It's not anything that we do. It's not of our own actions, God, but it's because of the the work that you did. The work on the cross that was paid by Jesus. We are made righteous in Jesus because of our faith in Jesus. And it's all about him and not about me and what I can do or what anybody in this room can do, God. But what you have done. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I pray today, God, that we would just stew on the righteousness of God, that we would meditate on what that means to be made righteous in God. That we would find our value and our worth in you, Lord. I pray that we would take that out and love others so they can know that they can be made right in you. That, they, that you're not a God that's up there to damn them to hell, but you love them and you want them to be made right with you and to place their faith in Jesus Christ. I pray, God, as we, we leave here, Lord, that we would just show people who you are. That you're a good, faithful, righteous, just God. And I say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Who's up?